Hello and welcome once again to another episode of the Selling Greenville podcast. I'm your host, Stan McCune, realtor here in Greenville, South Carolina. And just a reminder, as always, you can find all of my contact information in the show notes. Feel free to reach out to me by phone, text, email for any of your real estate needs. And as always, as well, don't forget if you like this podcast to go ahead and subscribe to it. Make sure you don't miss any future episodes. We're on a lot of different platforms, Google Play, Audio Boom, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. You don't want to miss this wonderful content that I'm trying to bring you guys every week. And uh, and if you really like the content, please give us a rating. Uh, go ahead and review the podcast. Those things are awesome. We uh, we love that. I love that. Um, that really helps uh you know, motivate me to to create uh, even better content than what we've been doing. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm just going to be telling a story from the field, a story from the real estate uh, field out there. People love stories. I love to tell them. And sometimes what happens in order to get a deal to closing is not what you would think. And this story piggybacks very closely, follows very closely the episode that we did on backup offers and backup contracts. And so I think it it fits nicely into some of what we uh, talked about just recently. And so I'd like to go ahead and, uh, and share this one with you guys. This is the deal that just closed recently for one of my real estate clients. And uh, they were a client that was looking for a new real estate investment, something cheap, something safe, something that they might be able to flip or maybe turn into a, uh, a short-term rental property like an Airbnb or something like that. We had a lot of different directions that we could go in. And, um, and I've shown them several different properties. And uh, we you know, had attempted to acquire some and, and you know, there was some back and forth and um, nothing had really worked out. And so I was... Uh, as it turns out, looking at the comps for one of the properties that we were going to look at, I always like to just as part of my prep work, because even though I have pretty good knowledge of the market, um, I always like to run comps before doing a showing as well, get a, a better sense, what is this specific area or what is this specific neighborhood? In some cases, what is this specific street doing uh, in the past year? What are the comparable sales from the past year? And I'll look at that just to, to make sure that I'm prepared for the showing. That's just, to me, part of the job. And I was doing that for a showing that I was doing for this investor client. And as it turns out, I saw in one of the comps was a property that was listed in the MLS as under a contingency contract. Now, there are a few different uh, statuses that we can have in the Greenville MLS and there are really two specifically that can be utilized when a property is under contract. There is the contingency contract status, and that means just what it is. It's under contract, but it has some type of contingency. And in the MLS, we have to specify what that contingency is, whether it's inspections, whether it's uh, financing, whatever the case may be. Then there's also the pending status. And... Depending on who you talk to, uh, no pun intended, depending on who you talk to, pending um, can mean different things to different people. I take it to mean a step beyond the contingency uh, contract status. In other words, 
If it goes from contingency contract to pending, that means it's very likely to close. Uh, that means that, that most of the, if not all of the contingencies have already been satisfied. Now we are going to closing. The thing that makes it a little bit of a weird thing in the Greenville MLS is that some realtors will start with one or the other and never change it. So they might start with pending, even though there are contingencies, or they might start with contingency contract and then never switch it over to pending. For me, I like to, if there are contingencies, I like to start with the contingency contract um, status. And then at some point, once really the main contingencies are, are over with, then I'll switch it to pending. And that just is a way for me to communicate to people on the outside, uh, you know, looking in, hey, this is looking like it's probably going to close unless something unusual happens. But not everyone does that. So as I'm looking at the comps for this property that we're going to show, I see a property that is under contingency contract. And, uh, and it's been under contingency contract for a while. So that could mean that either the uh, listing agent didn't switch it over to pending, but it's about to close, or, you know, who knows what. It, it could mean a variety of different things. But one of the possibilities is that there's something wrong with this. It, it's still showing contingency, and the listing agent is kind of saying that um, on purpose, kind of leaving it out there on purpose. Uh, you know, he might not necessarily be able to say, hey, there are problems here um, that you're not really supposed to do that. Um, you know, if a potential buyer is is uh, is giving you problems for whatever reason. But, uh, you know, some listing agents may leave it under contingency contract for a longer period of time as kind of to show that that red flag that there is an issue here. So I pulled it up and um I look at when's the closing date. Oh, and it turns out the closing date was supposed to be really soon. I look at when was the inspection period. Well, the inspection period had already ended uh, quite a bit, quite a bit ago, and this had been under contract for for several weeks now. And um, and I could tell based on the property. This is a property that's down to the studs and has has done a lot of demo work. Um, it's not going to be a uh, sorry about that. My uh, my phone just dinged from a text message coming in. Um, it's not going to be the type of property that you're going to get financing on. I mean, maybe you could get hard money on it, but the vast majority of people that would be purchasing a property like this would be doing so with cash. So there's no reason why it should be taking weeks upon weeks to get to closing. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make a, a, a phone call here and see what's going on. So I call the agent and, and uh, reach out to him. And I'm like, hey, I was looking at this property, and uh, I just noticed that you know you've been on a contingency contract for a long time, and it seems like the type of property that would have already closed by now. You know, is there something going on with that? And he said, um, well, you wouldn't believe it. I, I'm I'm really amazed that you called me today, because for that property we're supposed to close tomorrow, but I can't reach either the buyer or his agent, and it's been like that for about a week now. And we don't know if we're going to actually close tomorrow, but this buyer has been dragging things out as much as possible. And right now we're, we're really concerned that we're not going to get to closing. And, uh, and so I was like, well, uh, you know, I have a client that has been looking for this type of property and it, and it checks off a lot of boxes for him. Would you guys consider a backup offer? 
and he said, well, yeah, we, we got a bunch of a bunch of offers the first time around. The one that we and settled with was a good offer that was cash and whatnot. But again, the buyer has just been um, giving us problems. But but I think that the seller would would definitely entertain uh, backup offers. So um, I go back to my client um, and discuss it with him. And he was like, yeah, let's go ahead and let's look at that one after we look at the other one. You know, the one that I was originally looking at when I was pulling comps. Um, so we go and we look at a few different properties that day. And the one that was under the contingency contract um, had a lot of things going for it. And it really did seem to, to check off a lot of boxes. And so um, the next day I reached out to the agent and I was like, hey, I think we're definitely going to put a backup offer in on that. If, you know, assuming that you guys didn't close, did, did you guys end up closing? Because he was supposed to close on that day. It was a Friday. And um, he said, well, um, no. We, we did not close. We did finally reach out to, uh, we did finally get a hold of, of the, the buyer's agent. And they said they've almost got everything figured out. They just, they ran into a, a financial issue. Um, <laughs> they had provided proof of funds. Um, and then, you know, prior to going under contract. And then they went and spent that money. Um, on something else and now you know they have money that's coming in but it's just not in yet and so um, they asked to extend for for a couple of weeks and we go we went ahead and we told them okay we'll, we'll go ahead and extend that for a couple of weeks um, and and extended the contracting and we've already got all that in writing that was a bit of a, of a downer for me um, but um, I, again I, I've been in this situation before and I know when buyers start to get fishy like that usually it doesn't work out so i was like well listen i think we're still gonna put um a good backup offer in here and hopefully we can get under contract and and i don't hope for your sake that that your primary contract falls through but um but if it does and we've got that backup ratified we can close in in just a couple of weeks and so that's what we did we we submitted a backup offer um uh, my client actually asked if, if we should go uh, up to a certain price and I, I recommended actually coming actually submitting an offer lower than than what he uh, was asking because again the beauty about being uh, a buyer or submitting a backup offer is it's unlikely that you have much competition and in this case from my communication with the with the listing agent I knew there was no competition so um, if the you know, if the seller didn't like the backup offer, he could just counter the backup offer. So, um, so we put forward the um, the backup offer and a very straightforward, very clean offer, and the seller accepted that as a backup uh, without any counter, without any issues at all. So now it's just a waiting game. Now we've got a few weeks to to try to see what's uh, what's going on, and um, and so you know we wait, we wait our time and. About half a week prior to when they were supposed to close, um, again on a on a Friday, I reach out to uh, the listing agent and I'm like, "Hey, just you know, just haven't heard from you guys in a while. Just wanted to check in and and see what was going on." And um, the listing agent says, uh, "Well, um, we are still having issues, and I still I do not think that this is going to close. But what I found out recently." From not from the buyer or from the buyer's agent, but from the closing attorney, is that now there is a bank involved, and now he's trying to get some type of creative 
financing um, in order to finance this deal. And I was like, well, the contract that you that you have with this guy, um, that says that he's purchasing it for cash, right? And I mean, that's a that's a material aspect of the contract. People choose to, and again, I'm not a lawyer, but from a realtor standpoint, I consider that a material aspect of the contract. Uh, sellers decline contracts contingent on financing to accept contracts that don't have financing strictly because uh, a non-financed offer, a, a cash offer, is a stronger offer. Like that's a major part of the consideration. So I was like, you know, to me, if I were in your shoes, I would be thinking about that as uh, being a breach of contract. And uh, the agent thought for a second. He was like, you know, you're you kind of got a point there. And honestly, I just want to move on from these people. They've been a nightmare. I don't think they're ever going to close. Um, so he was like, let me talk to my broker about this and, and let me see what's going on. I failed to mention before they had also gotten some extra earnest money uh, from the uh, from the buyer in order to extend, uh, you know, the contract that they had. Um, so that was another factor that had to be worked out. So uh, so the next day, the listing agent calls me back and he says, we are done. The buyer agreed to go ahead and sign a release of contract. He the the buyer fully admitted that it was not going to happen that he had um you know committed a breach of contract um that he could not provide the cash that he you know threw up a hail mary to try to get financing at the end um but was willing to rather than drag it out for several more days to 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 get to closing was willing to just go ahead and release and terminate the contract and um so then at that point Technically, we already have the backup offer. Technically, that is already a backup contract. Um, we went ahead and just signed an addendum just to fully uh, make sure that everyone had, you know, just all of our T's crossed and all of our I's dotted, all of those things, just to be 100% above board um, because that's the world that we live in. We need to make sure that everything is 100% on board when it comes to these real estate contracts. Um and uh, then my client went under contract. So now my client then had a due diligence period and a uh, a period of doing uh, you know title work and all of that. Um, the due diligence period went great. Of course, we had had uh, we'd already been out there. He had already been out there with uh, with a contractor. We had already done some of the due diligence. Again, this is some of the nice things about submitting a uh, a backup offer is that. You know, as long as the seller is okay with you looking at the property, you can kind of get some of your due diligence out of the way prior to um, your uh, offer becoming the primary. Um, the only thing is, you might be wasting your time. You know, if the if the primary contract ends up working out and your backup contract never ends up, you know, becoming the primary, then any due diligence work that you've done is just a waste of time. So you don't want to do all your due diligence up front. Um, and particularly, you don't want to be spending money on inspections and all of that. But we were, had done a little bit that that wasn't very uh, time or labor intensive. Everything went smoothly, very easy, about as easy of a transaction as you could possibly get. Um, my client now has a uh, has a great property that 
Um, he's got a few different options that he can do with that. We'll see if he ends up flipping it or maybe turning it into a some type of a rental property, short-term or, or long-term rental. Um, again, those of you that have listened to this podcast a lot, you know that I preach all the time, buy investment properties that have multiple exit strategies. That is always the best way to go. If you can buy a property that you could easily flip or that you could sell as is or that you could turn into a variety of different rentals, those are are the best possible properties because you're not tied down to one strategy. Now, if you've got a niche and you've done this for a long time and you know, okay, uh, this is what I do well and I'm just going to keep, you know, I do mobile home parks very well. I know right away if a mobile home park is going to be the right fit and, and and whether the numbers work, then absolutely, by all means, uh, be decisive. Don't worry about the multiple exit strategy rule. But for a lot of uh, investor clients that haven't done as many real estate deals as as others, having that flexibility can be crucial. This is the perfect property for that. And as I said in my Backup Offers um, podcast, that really is a great strategy for investors. There's a lot. You can look at some of these deals. And that one, you know, I'll be honest. I, You know, my client said I pulled a rabbit out of the hat uh, pulling that off. Um, and that's true to an extent. But obviously, there was luck involved as well. I, I would not have noticed that property um, if I, I hadn't been, you know, looking at the comps for another property. Um, and you know, there's a lot of properties out there that have been under contract for a while and I don't necessarily call on every one of them, but that can be, if you're looking for prop, if you're looking for investment properties or looking for, you know, properties that fit a specific criteria, um, I really do think, like I said, in the backup offers, uh, episode, that is an option that investors tend to not think about as much, that a large percentage, a large percentage of, of properties that are distressed, that are being sold on the open market and have issues, uh, you know, whether they're just in really bad shape or they've got really, you know, they've got squatters living in them or whatever the case may be, a lot of those, the first contract on them doesn't work out. And so if if you see one of them that you really, really like go under contract, or if you see one that's been under contract for a while, that could be a prime opportunity for a backup offer. And, and that really gives you uh, an option, a, a really great possibility for that to work out. I mean, those backup offers, um, those at least have the likelihood of working out the same likelihood as if you're in a multiple offer situation, which almost always those types of properties are. Um, If you're one of 15 people throwing an offer in uh, on a property at the same time, you're probably, the odds are that you're going to actually get it and that's going to get to closing and whatnot. Um, Those aren't very great odds. And I would say you at least have the same odds of submitting a backup offer of that getting to the closing table for you as you do when you're uh, submitting offers into a multiple offer situation. So it's really a great a great option, a great strategy. And uh, the we don't always have these types of success stories to tell, but this was a, a, a great one that had a lot of unique twists and turns. Um, in the end, it ended up uh, really working out and really being uh, really being a great one. And if you have any questions about the backup, offer uh, system and how that works and and how backup contracts work, 
go ahead and listen to that episode. Um, that one, we kind of hashed out some of the details. If you'd like to talk about it more in person, maybe there's a property that you see that's like, you know what, I really like that property. Um, and I don't see anything else like it. I would like to submit a backup on it, even though it's under contract. I would be more than happy to discuss that with you, to discuss what your options are there, um, what type of leverage you might have, what the likelihood is uh, of that working out. Obviously, some of this is done just realtor to realtor. So I always call the realtor to, to get the inside scoop. A lot of them are are amenable to sharing details because, hey, they love, you know, if you're the listing agent, Listing agents love backup contracts as well. That means that they don't have to to put the home back on the market if the one that they have falls through. And that gives them tons of leverage to be able to, you get a situation like this where a buyer starts getting flaky. You say, hey, man, we've already got uh, a backup contract in hand. We're not going to dilly-dally around with with you here. If if you can't close the deal, we're moving on to the next guy. Um, so... That is definitely something you need to keep in your tool chest. Make sure um, whether you're whatever realtor that you're using. Listen, I know that some of y'all, I'm sure, are listening to this. Actually, I know for a fact that there are some people that listen to this that use other realtors. I do not take that personally. Um, Make sure that your realtor understands these types of things. That's something that uh, is is an important, it's important that they have these types of things in their toolbox because they can come uh, in handy and really make or break a deal. That's all for today's episode. Again, if you have any questions or any comments, please feel free to reach out to me. All my contact information is in the show notes. And until next time, stay safe.